Hey everybody, Chris Lindsay here, and you're listening to Pitch List. Join us on a deep dive into the heart of what makes writing songs and making music so magical. Let's find out what makes songwriters tick, and along the way, remember why we love music. Welcome to Pitch List. Hey everybody, this is Chris Lindsay bringing you another episode of Pitch List. Well, we've had a rockin' season four, and I hope you've enjoyed it so far. Today, we've got another great guest. He's been in Nashville as long as I have, and he's got the cut list to prove it. He's had his songs recorded by Darius Rucker, Little Big Town, Lady Annabellum, and many, many more. He also has grown a unique learning community of songwriters called Songtown. So refreshing in this endless sea of songwriting information. We decided to do a joint episode between his podcast and Pitch List. So after this episode, head over to Songtown to hear his half of our chat. Without any further ado, here's Clay Mills. Good morning. Chris Lindsay here on a very, very very snowy day in nashville it's beautiful i'm looking at my window right now it's just coming down got a great guest really excited today we're going to talk to clay mills uh incredible writer also has a uh, podcast called Songtown. also has a whole writer network with classes and we're going to get more into that uh clay you can tell us about all that uh this is clay mills how are you man i'm doing great chris great to be here awesome um well, we were just talking before we started. We we both go way back. We've got a lot of a lot of mutual friends, and we were telling some stories already. Um, you, I think I first became aware of you with "Beautiful Mess," big hit yep. for Diamond Rio. Yes, that's a great that's song. One of those songs that just keeps playing. Thank the Lord. Yeah, you want to talk about that a little bit? Um, how'd that come about? What was uh, was that a normal day for you, and then just had magic strike, or how that? How tell us the story. You know, back then I was writing, um, the only guy that had ever had a hit that would write with me was a guy named Sonny Lemaire. Yeah. And he was in a band called Exile and uh, I was just getting started. So we would get together and write and we started writing with this artist who was on RCA, I think at the time, um, Shane Minor. Sure. And so we would get together once a week and write and, you know, literally we probably got together once a week for about a year and that day i brought in um some drum loops and we put something on and we were just kind of rapping because we were talking like we like the red hot chili peppers and so we had this drum loop going and i was just like goofing around going going out of my mind these days and we all started laughing and then we're like wait a minute maybe this could be something and so it literally just started from goofing around, um, just kind of throwing out some lines, and, and we built it that day into a song, you know? You know, it's cool that you said that, because it really reminds me, it's such a great writer's tip. I've been in a room many times where it was complete goofing around. Yeah. And where you actually were somebody in the room, sometimes me, sometimes someone else would be like, wait, 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 that's good. You know, and the other writers are like, you're no, 
we can't do that. And then someone finally talks everybody into it. And then you, you've got a hit song. It, it's very common. Yeah. And that, that song had a long time getting there. Um, Shane was an artist and wanted it for himself. Right. And his producer, Dan Huff, um, said, well, I want Faith Hill to cut it. And so it was literally on hold for about a year and a half. Um, and we're going, okay, is he trying to get, just hold this song for Shane? Like, you know, he's like dangling right. Faith Hill in front of us because he was producing Shane. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of. Song, you know, well, you like got, in, you got in what they call song prison. <laughs> yes. So we were stuck. But then finally he said, hey, Faith is not going to cut it. My publisher ran over to uh, play it for Diamond Rio. They were in the studio and, you know, they cut it within a matter of a few days and we heard what they did with it. And, you know, even before that, when I first demoed the song, my publisher was like, you know, this is too pop at the time. You know, they were like, nobody in Nashville is going to cut this, you know. And so I went back in and kind of redid the demo um, a little bit. But then when you hear Diamond Rio does, it, you know, and it, they've got the mandolin on it and it made sense. But the first time I heard it, I was like, this is just magic, you know. And it was. And, you know, we have a similar background. I had I was coming from the rock and pop world. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I mean, I knew country music, but I I wasn't like a super country guy like a lot of these guys we know, you know, who really grew up and cut their teeth on it. And I had similar experiences with songs where I'm thinking, well, this, I like this, but this is never going to work. But it, it really does work because it, it comes off as being forward. You know what I mean? And like, right. and like you said, and here's the other point, if you write things that are forward looking and maybe too adventurous for the market right now, it was a year and a half before your song actually came right. out. And by the time it peaked on the radio, it was probably two years. Yeah, so you're was, shooting a couple years out, so you should be you should be out, like wow, this is too crazy, right? Yeah, definitely, uh, you know that's what you want to do. And the other thing is blending styles. You know, right. everyone. How did Ray Charles get started? He took gospel music and R and B lyrics and blended them together, and kind of upset everybody at the time, but. You know, now it's commonplace. Everyone's blending styles, but I think that's that makes a more interesting song when you do that. Yeah, and he did a big country record, which I was reading about the other night. Uh, a lot of people didn't like that, and a lot of people in the business thought that was not that was a terrible mistake. Yeah, but it, it really made him huge. Yes, and also when Willie Nelson did Stardust, the jazz. Um, song record. It, it turned out to be the biggest song of his, his biggest album of his career, but his label did not want to put it out when he did it. So forward thinking. Yeah. There are so many stories like that. And then all it takes is one career, uh, courageous person. I used to, I, somebody told me one time, it's like, all you need is one guy who's willing to stand on the conference table. You know what I mean? And say, by God, you got to cut this song or I quit, you know? <laughs> What one person like that, and you can, you can, it can happen. Yes, I agree. So tell us about Songtown, man. Um, well, probably rather than telling you what it is now, I could first tell you shortly about how it came to be because it kind of grew into this thing that we never expected. 
Um, Marty Dotson and I were having coffee one morning. He's a great songwriter in town. And we were talking about some people that one, were trying to get into the business. Friends of ours had kind of been ripped off by people that, you know, charging them outrageous amounts of money for demos, taking yeah. all their publishing. And yeah. um, so we just said, hey, let's start writing a blog or an article every day on Facebook. So for two years, every single day, we one of us wrote an article on Facebook about how the music business really works. And we ruffled some feathers. <laughs> it was, yeah. you know, we just said it, said it the way it was. And um, we, we built up this huge following, like 20 something thousand people started following us on Facebook and, you know, interacting with us. And so they wanted us to start teaching a class or two. So we taught a couple of classes, those went well. And it just built this community of people and, you know, all striving to be in the music business and write better songs. And from that, we said, well, we got this community. Let's open up a community website and, you know, start offering instructional videos and, um, you know, a, a forum where everyone can interact. It just kind of built. Um, you know, we didn't expect it. It just kind of happened one step at a time. And we were, you know, both full time songwriters. So, it was, you know, a lot of days of no sleep because we were writing full time. And then at night we would be um, communicating with our community. But now it's I mean, it's thousands of writers all over the world. You know, we have um, groups, chapters in UK and Canada. And um, it's it's just a fun thing to see. And it's fun to see writers that we've coached going. We've had writers go on to have major artist cuts um a couple of dozen have signed publishing deals as staff writers so you know it's it's just fun we we tell people like it is and we educate them to write better songs and um we have a saying if your career's not going the way you want it to write a better song and you know if their songs aren't good we tell them you know but we tell them how to make them better so Love that's it, it. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome, man. And I love that you guys are out there giving real information because that's kind of been a little bit of our uh, mantra here is to try to give, you know, real practical information about how this works, because there is a lot of missing bad information out there. And there's a lot of hustlers taking money. And I mean, a lot of money. Yeah. And it's just, it's horrible. It's yeah. just horrible because they're preying on people and promising things that they cannot deliver. I mean, and it's great that you said what you said, you have to, it's really, it's, it's, it's very simple and it's very hard, but you just have to have a great song, man. You right. know, you have to have a great song and you just got to keep swinging until you get one. And the business is uh, a thing I find too, is a lot of when people are starting out, there's this big fear that it's all political and it's who, you know, and, Obviously, those things come in, but there's so much good information now. Man, anybody will take a hit song. I don't yeah. care who they are. Yeah. I've always said you can throw a hit. You can take a CD of a hit song or a, heart, a thumb drive and throw it out in the middle of Music Row on, on 16th Avenue. Somebody will call you in a couple of days <laughs> and say, hey, what is this? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it, people are that desperate for giant hits. They really are. And there is no entry barrier 
if you've got the goods. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but when I started out, I knew nobody in the music business. I mean, I grew up on a farm in Mississippi and, you know, I went to New York, then eventually made my way here to Nashville. But I knew zero people in the music business. Um, You know, when I left home, I had like $300 in my pocket. There was no money to, you know, people say you got to have connections and money. Um, But if you learn to write a great song, that will open the doors to the connections and the money so that things can happen. Yeah, I have a similar story, although I went to L.A. first. But the same the same exact story. I didn't know I didn't grow up in the business, didn't know anything about it. But I always tell people, and I'm sure you guys do, too. um, Somebody's asking you for a lot of money. They're not legit. Yes. Unfortunately. And it, and I know you want to believe them. And I know it's, you know, you want so desperately for someone to care and it's so tempting, but people who really can help you and really know what they're doing, they don't ask you for money. Now they'll, yeah. they'll ask to sign a contract yeah. and you should get a good lawyer. Yes. You know, I'm not saying people won't try to take it, you know, people try to make the best deal for their party. Um, but anyone who asks you for a bunch of money up front is I've never heard of it being a good thing. I agree totally. And you want, you want to find people that want to invest in you. Right. And, and not the other way around. But unfortunately, there are people, I get emails from our members, I mean, almost daily from somebody going, so-and-so says I have a great song. They want to pitch it to, you know, um, Darius Rucker. And, you know, all I got to do is pay them $200 a year and they'll put me on their list and they'll, they think it's a hit song. And I'm like, well, first of all, Darius writes his own music. You get, right. You know, if you're a songwriter, you got to know which artists you can pitch to and which artists write their own stuff. So if someone's telling you that your song is perfect for Darius Rucker and they're walking it over to him, just hand me some money, then I would think twice about that. Right. Because I don't even know what's and it's a great point, man. You do have to do your homework, which, you know, and then that's another big question I get, you know, should I move to Nashville? And I always say the same thing. You know, it's I think it's hard to it's hard to 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 get a country songwriting deal without it. I think it's very difficult. And in addition to you need to be here to know what's happening. There's a thousand little things, you know, and and yeah, you got to come here and start at the bottom, you know and fight your way up. That's just how it works. That's how it works in anything, you know, and, but you need to be, you need, you need a lot of information, you know, you need a lot of information to really navigate this thing. Well, that's awesome. I love it. And so you guys have also launched a podcast. We have, it's called Songtown on songwriting. Um, We have not been going as long as you have. We, we just launched it this year. But um, it's great. I mean, it's a lot of fun. We're we're educating people on, you know, the the craft of songwriting. We've got some interesting interviews with people like uh, Jack Tempchin telling me how he got to um, write "Peaceful Easy Feeling" mm-hmm. on the floor of a nightclub after it closed up and his ride home left him. And so you just get to hear these interesting stories. And I got to play the song live with him. Um, you know, after years of playing that song in bands and to, to get to sit with one of your heroes and sing harmony to it, it was pretty fun. That's awesome, man. 
Well, I just had a question pop in my mind. I don't know if it's a good one, but I'm going to ask it. So with all your knowledge now, all the groups and the people that you're kind of helping educate and all of that, what do you think is the number one or some of the top uh, mistakes that people make starting out with songwriting or not, not mistakes, but some of the, the, the biggest impediments that they have or things they're not doing right. What do you, what do you think are at the top of that list? As far as the craft of writing? Yeah. As far as the craft. Um, well, to me, let's take melody first. Um, because we know that shift and and music has been over to melody for the lyrics are still really important, but there has been a shift that over towards melody. Um, the biggest thing I see with melody writing is lack of contrast between different sections of songs. And there where they'll write a song and it'll just feel like one long verse all the way through. And okay. No matter, you know, they may go higher in the chorus, but there's all kinds of things. Like, for instance, um, if your verse is real busy, when you hit your pre-chorus, throw in some long notes that are contrasting to all those short, busy notes in your your verse. Um, so contrast that way, note links. Also contrast if every line of your verse starts on beat one of the bar, when you get to your chorus, Try starting ahead of the bar. Do a windup of, you know, two, one or two beats ahead of the bar. You know, so it's it's learning to find these ways to contrast every section from the one before. You know, the Bee Gees said they started, um, they would write four choruses and then look for the order in which to put them. And that that, you know, that was how they had their song created was four choruses. So that that's what I tell people come up with every section hooky, but it's got to contrast the section that came before. That's, that's good- great. That's great advice. And yeah, when the Bee Gees were doing four choruses, that also makes every section strong. Yes. Right. And there's, it's not like, okay, the verse is just going to propel us to the chorus. Matresa Berg said that I'd learned that from her a long time ago. Great writer. She, she called it, choppy smooth and what she said is if the verse is choppy make the chorus smooth and if the reverse if the if the verse is smooth make it choppy right yeah um that's that's similar to what to what you're saying and similar with lyrics you can be slightly poetic in your verse but your chorus needs to be straight ahead and singable and you know so that's contrast there i mean Mm -hmm. songs to me um songs repetition make it memorable but contrast makes it interesting. And so you've got to have both in equal parts to really have a strong, memorable song. Yeah, another another Matresa quote is coming to mind. She also said, make the chorus a hit and the verses are yours. Yeah. You can do do whatever you want. Make them, make them fun, make them weird, make them great. You know, as yeah. long as you've got that big hit chorus for everybody to sing along, that's easy. And then I talked to Desmond Child one time uh, we were writing with him, big, big pop and rock writer. And he discuss, he talked about like, he did a lot of that Bon Jovi stuff. And he, he writes from the point of view of, uh, you know, 20,000 people in the arena. And so the lyrics got to make it to the far back wall. Yeah. So he likes to do a line boom. And then he rests a second for that line to make it all the way across the audience. And then he does another one. Wow. 
in that an interesting point of view? And he's I never he's, thought of that. He's yeah. waiting for that line to make it to the back of the room. And then he goes again, and then he tries to build a little mirrored phrasing that's re repetitive and repeatable so that they can sing along. You know? Wow, that is awesome. Yeah. He's an interesting cat, man. And he wrote some big rock hits, you know. Uh, rock and, you know, other things like Living La Vida Loca. Yep, that's right. All that Ricky Martin stuff, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's probably back in that time him and diane warren were yep. the monster pop writers yep killer man um what's next for you as i know i know and i i so i was so interested to hear you say you guys are juggling you know active writing careers in addition to all your other things that are going on with songtown i mean is that a difficult thing for you is it uh is it i guess you're just busy but i it, you know probably fun yeah i mean I'll, I'll give you a moment of um, honesty here, real honesty. Um, it has been difficult from the fact that I'm the kind of person when I do something, I give 110%. And I thought I could give 110% to two different things. And so at times I'm learning that that's kind of impossible. So I'm trying to be okay with a balance now of things in my life, which, which mm -hmm. is actually a, you know, good balance between my personal life with my wife and my kid, um, but also balancing Songtown and songwriting and to go, okay, it's okay if I'm not you know, doing the songwriting you know, night and day and I'm not doing Songtown night and day or you know, trying to become a more balanced person. And that's, it, it's, you know, been a difficult transition, but I think I'm finally there. Well, I think that's great. And I think also it'll make you better at everything you do. Sometimes yeah. when we get stretched too thin, we get not as good at everything where, you know, quality over quantity, you know, I'm, I'm probably, we're probably very similar because I do not write five days a week anymore. I just found yeah. that I, and it, and it, you know, the podcast takes some time, but I have a lot of help with Dana. She really handles most of the day to day. So it's not that it's just, and you know how it is. I used to, and I know you did too. I was five days a week, man, sometimes two songs a day and just burning it for years. Yes. But for decades. me now, decades. Yes. Yeah. Um, for me now, three days a week is great. Yeah. Two days is great. I, what, look, you only need one or two great songs a year. Really, you only need one great song. You can have a great career having one, you know, I I would take one hit single that was, you know, close, top five a year. I'd be happy for the rest of my life. You know what yeah. I mean? You need that one song. So slamming it five days a week. I don't know if I, I don't think I'll ever go back to that, you know. Oh, I, you know, I have friends that, and I'm sure you do too, that would have a single every one or two years that yeah. would do well. They didn't get a ton of cuts, but they would, you know, every couple of years they would get that big hit. And, you know, that's, that I would be thankful for that, you know, for oh, over yeah. a period of time. Absolutely. And it's plenty, it's plenty really. Yeah. You know, I think it's great when you're younger to really churn it, you know, because it builds muscles. Yes. It builds muscles and it makes you, it makes you better. I, I agree. That's totally the way. And a lot of times, um, you know, if there is a track person in the room, then 
you know, the next morning you've got a demo of your song in your inbox. So it's not, not a bad way to go. Yes. Well, we're going to wrap it up. Um, this has been Clay Mills from Songtown. I, I, I don't want to just say Songtown because you, you have an ongoing and have had a brilliant career as a songwriter. You're now running um, this great, I won't call it service, but you really are doing a great thing for the songwriting community in addition to your career. So thank you for that. And uh, this has been Clay Mills on Pitch List. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pitch List, produced in partnership with the American Songwriter Podcast Network. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcast or your preferred listening platform. And if you want, feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review. For exclusive content from this week's guest and more, you can visit our website at pitchlistpodcast.com. Or follow our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. To hear songs written and or recorded by today's guest, check out this week's playlist by finding us on Spotify at Pitch List Podcast. Plus, don't forget to let us know on social media what songwriter, musician, or music business professional you want to hear from next. I hope everyone is staying safe. And I know we're all praying that we are close to the end of this pandemic. It's feeling great just thinking about getting back to normal. I personally can't wait to go to a movie theater or a nice meal in a crowded restaurant. We're almost there. So keep wearing those masks and talk to your doc about a vaccine. Stay safe, everybody. And we'll see you on the next episode of Pitch List. <laughs>